Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. if you've had a chance to read the fine print in the job description but praising his name all day and night is what we do holy 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 God almighty that's what we do day and night in the presence of the Lord we just praise his holy name this is dress rehearsal for the big event we should we should practice praising the name of the Lord family, I am thrilled to introduce to you our speaker for today. Uh, This is our brother who is uh, often called to do duties on a national scene, preaching and teaching around the country. He is uh, currently our um, principal uh, advisor, as close as we get to a bishop in our denomination, Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, His name is Pastor Ephraim Smith. He is one of South Bay's favored sons. He has been here on several occasions, an anointed man of God. Uh, He will be bringing to us a word from James chapter 4 as we continue our series uh, in the summer book club in the book of James. And so uh, I won't uh, take up any more of his time, but South Bay, can we welcome home uh, Pastor Ephraim Smith, who will bring a word for us today. Good morning. It is good to be back here at South Bay. Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention that my wife, Denisha, and my daughters, Jada and Maria, are with me. So if they are, just wave, wave your hands so they can see y'all. You are part of a denominational family known as the Evangelical Covenant Church, specifically in this region, a part of 165 congregations that I have the privilege and honor to oversee in California, Hawaii, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. So uh, that just gives you a little bit of my travel schedule and uh, my frequent flyer miles that I collect. But uh, being that I'm from Minnesota, I am not mad that my territory is California, Hawaii, Arizona, (laughs) Nevada, and Utah. Um, Not mad about that. And uh, man, I wish Pastor Murphy would have told me it was casual Sunday. And he told me after the first service I could change, but all I had in my suitcase to put on was, I have this Minnesota Vikings jersey I could have put on. Yeah, but I figured y'all wouldn't let me preach. So then I said, no, let me put that back in the suitcase. I'm not going to throw rocks at me. So I just, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should take my tie and my coat off. But you know, it took me a while to put this together. So I I said to myself, I I worked on this. So we're going to just go with this then. All right, but. I know next time not to wear my shiny missionary Baptist suit (laughs) when I come here to preach. I I can wear something evangelical. (laughs) 
no, I know you. I might hoop with this suit on. <laughs> All right. There is a word found in the book of James, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. James, chapter 4. Yeah, you see, I've added something since I preached here last time. I went to the eye doctor, so. He say I have to wear these. <laughs> James chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? From this text, I want to preach to you on the title, The War Within. The War Within. God, I pray that this would be your message that ultimately, God, you are preaching and I'm just the vessel, the vehicle that you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please, God, let that be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The war within. Probably in middle school or high school, you learned in history class that we live in a world of war. You may have learned in Sunday school class that war has been going on almost since the beginning. Uh, that you can read about wars between the Philistines and the Israelites. You can see kings victorious and ungodly kings defeated in war, in scripture. In more modern history, you can learn about World War I, World War II. I can remember when I was in college, the Gulf War, Desert Storm. There's still war going on in the world. 
It may be peace on your block, peace in your community, but unfortunately, sisters and brothers, we are in a world of war, a world at war. Uh, Now in Egypt, we see civil unrest, a world at war. You know, recently when I saw the movie Lincoln, I was reminded of the impact of the Civil War. But just a couple weeks ago, I was on a trip called the Sankofa Journey, which retraces elements of the civil rights movement. I was on a bus ride with 30 other people, and we traveled to Birmingham, Alabama, Montgomery, Selma, Jackson, Mississippi, and Memphis, Tennessee, to remember the civil rights movement. It dawned on me that the civil rights movement itself was a peculiar war. Now, you might think it improper for me to speak of the civil rights movement as a war, but there definitely were armies. What was peculiar about the war that is the civil rights movement, though, was that the army fighting for justice had a very peculiar weaponry. They were not in the camouflage of military men and women, but yet they were fighting for justice. Their leader was given the title drum major of justice. What was peculiar about this army was that their weaponry was love and nonviolence. They sat nonviolently at lunch counters for equality and full acceptance in their own communities. Their weaponry was love, nonviolence, rooted in Jesus Christ. I know this because in 1957, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave a message entitled, The Challenge of a New Age. And in this sermon, he talked about the ends, the vision of the civil rights movement. He said, the end of all this is the beloved community, but this beloved community cannot come about outside of the agape love of Jesus Christ. He says, it's only through this love of Jesus that true justice and equality, redemption and reconciliation can take place. This was a unique war. But you know what? There's another war that's going on, a larger war, a war bigger than even the ones that I've mentioned. And like the civil rights movement, it has a unique weaponry. This is a war that our God has been fighting. God has been at war against an enemy, a fallen angel known as Satan, Lucifer, the devil. Why is God at war? God is at war for the redemption of his own creation, for the return of those made in his own image. And though you might not feel this morning like you're in a battle, we are still at war, a cosmic war, a supernatural war, a war of immense proportions. But there may be some of you this morning that feel like you're in your own battle, your own war. And this word is for you. Here is the big idea of this sermon. The big idea is this. 
God uses the supernatural weapons of Christ our Lord and the Holy Spirit in a war for relationship and transformation. Let me say that again. God uses the supernatural weapons of Christ our Lord and the Holy Spirit in a war for relationship and transformation. Here in the book of James, James is speaking to godly people about a war within. And for them to understand this larger war, they might have to deeply consider a war that may be going on within their own soul. James was the oldest half-brother of Jesus. So after Mary gave birth to Jesus, the next son born and the first son born that Joseph actually participated in was James. You could imagine maybe the pressure on James growing up as the closest brother to Jesus. I cannot imagine following my brother Jesus. Could you imagine when you got older being compared to your brother Jesus? I mean, let's say you were at a wedding reception for a friend. Somebody looked at you and said, you know, when your brother was here, he kept the party going. Could you imagine being at a cookout? And people didn't bring enough food. So you know your brother Jesus made sure everybody had catfish last time we was here. I mean, I, I ain't saying, but you, you are his brother. I mean, I, you know, wasn't nobody hungry when your brother was here. I'm just saying. I don't, James. Man, I don't know if I want to be James. But James... Because he walked with his brother, Jesus, same mother, different fathers. James was transformed by that relationship, knowing who his brother really was. So after Jesus goes to the grave, comes out of the grave, here is James. He stays in Jerusalem and most of his focus is writing to, preaching to, providing leadership to The Jewish community. This is not an easy task because the Jewish community would have already seen themselves as religious, as God-fearing. He's not writing to those outside the church. He's writing to those that know the word, who sing praises, who pray, who keep the Sabbath, who know all of the holy festivals and days. This is who James is writing to. So maybe there's a word for us, those of us who are already believers, those of us who carry a Bible, who sing songs. But if that's not you this morning, that's all right. There's a word for you too. As I preach to you on this title, The War Within. Here in chapter 4, verse 1, James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. 
You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and flight and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Here's the first point that I want to lift up to you. We must be aware that there is a war in us. No matter where you are in life, we need to be aware that there is a war within us. And sisters and brothers, there may be a connection between the war on the inside of us and the wars that take place outside of us. James says, you quarrel. You, 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 you get mad about what you don't have. You desire things that get you to a point that you want to kill somebody that has what you desire. He says, you ask God for stuff, but you ask God for stuff with the wrong motives. Because if God would give you what you're asking for, you wouldn't use it for the betterment of the lost and the broken and the poor and the diseased. You would use it for you, for your own pleasure, which is why God may not be giving you right now what you've been asking God for for so long. And look, I'm just the mailman. I'm so, I just stay... There's a war within. And sometimes the quarrels we get into, the frustrations that we have, what keeps us up at night is is the fact that we're not as aware as we should be about a war going on in our own soul, in our own heart. My my wife, Danisha, is here with me. And I know we, if, if if you look at us standing together, we look like such a righteous, holy couple. But sometimes... We get into it. Sometimes we quarrel. Quarrel is a nice way of putting it. (laughs) Now, in my mind, our quarrels, our arguments would not last but 30 seconds in my mind. Because I know, because the solution is if my wife would just come to the understanding that I'm right. These quarrels would not even last but 30 seconds. They would be far and few between. I mean, that's my thinking. If she would just say, you know, my righteous chocolate husband is right. We didn't even have to go down this road. Huh. But I have come to the realization that some of our quarrels, some of our arguments have nothing to do with her. They're about battles going on within me. Hurts, childhood issues, disappointments, unacknowledged brokenness. Oh, brothers, you ain't got to say amen. Just sit there all quiet like that. That's a, brothers was with me for the first 10 minutes of the sermon. They was like, preach. Now I get on a man's brokenness. They're like, brother, hey. Some. Now, I didn't say all the quarrels. I, many. <laughs> Some. Have you ever got into a quarrel 
a disagreement, a fight, a battle. And you had to come to the conclusion that this has something to do with my own motives, my own desires, my own issues, my own unresolved brokenness, places in me that where I still need healing, where I still need empowerment, where I still need to be equipped. Some of it is me. You know, one time I was talking to a therapist and, and uh, I was actually taking a class that he was teaching in seminary. And he said, you know what the common denominator is in all your issues? He was saying this to the class. And he said, everywhere you go, there you are. He said, so if you're having problems everywhere you go, there you are. <laughs> if, you're having, if you're having issues, every job you own, there's some issues, there you are on the job. Every girlfriend you get, there's a problem. Every girlfriend you had, there you were. Every boyfriend you get, okay, you see the point. There's a war within me. That's why Paul says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. There's a war raging in my soul. Yes, there's a battlefield out there in another country. Yeah, there may be a battlefield over there in that inner city. But have you considered that there may be an unresolved battle and war right up in here? And your stomach pains and your headaches and your stresses and you're taking so much medication. Not that I'm against medication, I'm not. But could it be there's a battle in here, up in here, up in here? External wars are connected to internal ones. And James is saying to the church, there's a war out there, but we can't fight that war out there if we can't look in the church and deal with the battles in here. And we can't deal with the battles in the church in here if we don't act like there's no battles up in me. So if you've got individuals with unresolved wars that they won't address, come into church. You can set off a war in the church. (laughs) And if you have a warring church going out into a warring world, what kind of difference will we make in that world? I've had to come to the conclusion there's a war going on in me. But here's some good news for you. I don't want to leave you on that point. Here's some good news. Verse 4 of chapter 4 says, it doesn't start out, you know, great, but it gets better. It says, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? 
That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. Here's the second point. Not only do we need to be aware that there's a war in us. Here's the good news, sisters and brothers. There's a war also for us. God loves us so much that he's not going to leave us battling alone. God has waged war through Christ Jesus to rescue us. You know, you ever seen one of those movies that's depicted around wartime and there are prisoners that are that are in prison that have been captured or maybe the queen or the princess has been captured by the enemy. And so there's a knight in shining armor or there's this 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 heroic soldier that goes in and frees the prisoners that sets the, the princess or the queen free. That's what God did with Jesus Christ. We were in Imprisoned in our own battle, in our own souls, and he sent Jesus down here to rescue us, to give us victory. You are not battling by yourself. God has declared war against the enemy for you. That's how much God loves you. That God is at war for us. So why not choose him? Why not draw near to God? Why love the things of this world? Why give ourselves over to the ruler, the prince of this fallen world, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer? Why give myself over to be enslaved by sin, by selfishness, by sustained anger, by unforgiveness, by being self-centered? Why give myself over to all those things when there's a God who's at war for me? Why not draw near to him? Why not love him? That's what James is saying. Submit yourselves then to God. And you know what? God has already placed in us a mechanism that longs for God. No matter how sinful we've been or are, there's something in us that nothing in this world can fulfill. Only God can fulfill it. Every man has something at the core of his being that only God can address. Every woman has something at the core of her being that only God can address. Not only is there a war in us, praise God, there's a war for us. My life is being lived in the midst of a cosmic supernatural war. I have to make a choice. God is at war for me and something in me longs for God to rescue me, to set me free, to liberate me. Let's go on though to the third point. James chapter 4 beginning with verse 11. James says, brothers and sisters, is it. 
When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So here's the third point. Not only is there a war in us, not only is there a war for us, there is a war that goes beyond us. What I mean by this is God is fighting for you. God has provided the victory for you, but it's not just for you. It's for other people too. And so here's my concern. Sometimes people recognize the war going on within them. Sometimes people recognize that God is at war for them and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they're liberated, they're transformed, but then they start acting like the battle's over. They think because they are saved, because they become a Christian, because they joined a church, because they have a Bible, because they sing some songs, because they pray real good before every meal, that the battle is over. And James is trying to say the battle is not over. Your neighbor needs this too. Why slander people that don't know the Christ that you know? What James is saying is sometimes people become so religious, so holy that they sit in judgment of people that don't have what they have. And he says, why are you judging like that? You're not the ultimate lawgiver. You're not the ultimate judge. Why are you slandering your neighbor if you've been set free? If you are living in the victory in this war, why not extend that victory to somebody else instead of judging them? Why not extend that same love, that same grace, that same power, that same spirit, that same healing that you've received on the battlefield to somebody else? Why not extend it to your enemy? See, that's the radical weaponry of this war. We even cross enemy lines with the grace and the love and the justice of Jesus. In 1998... Um, my wife and I, with our oldest daughter, Jada, we moved to Dayton, Ohio. And um, we moved into a new neighborhood to meet new neighbors. Uh, We lived outside of Dayton by an Air Force base called Wright-Patterson Air Force Base there. And um, so we move in, and one day I'm, I'm standing in my driveway, and one of my neighbors across uh, the street, he uh, opens up his garage door. And when he opens up his garage door, there's a huge Confederate flag hanging up in his garage. And then he waves at me. (laughs) I didn't wave back. I'm looking at that Confederate flag. Huh. 
Then I noticed after I see the Confederate flag that there was something else I hadn't paid attention to in his yard. Uh, you ever seen those little, they call them jockey statues. Like it's a, it's a little black man holding a, a lantern like this. And it lights up at night. He had that in his yard too. Huh. Man, that was my neighbor. I sat in judgment of him. What are you doing with that Confederate flag hanging up in there? This ain't Dukes of Hazard. What is going on? What's the little what's the little man? I know what the little man means. During slavery, the little man was lighting up the pathway for master to come home at night. Now, what I learned a few weeks ago though is that guy actually had two jobs because when Massa wasn't home, he was actually lighting the path for the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman for slaves to be set free. But I didn't know that history. One day, when my wife was pregnant with our youngest daughter, Maria, we decided to go down to Cincinnati for the day. It's a little over an hour drive from Dayton. We left our house. Halfway through the day, over an hour from home, it dawned on me, I don't remember if I let the garage door down or if I locked the door. I didn't tell Danisha that, though. I didn't want to start no quarrels. We head home. I'm thinking about this while I'm driving. We get to our house. That same man from across the street with the Confederate flag and the jockey was sitting in my driveway on a chair. And when we pulled up, he got up and said, I'm so glad you were home. You left your garage door up and I didn't want anything to happen to your house. So I decided I would sit here until you returned. I said, but what about that flag at you? I learned a lesson in that story. My job is not to primarily sit in judgment of my neighbors, but to lift them up, to pray for them, to engage them, to have real talk with them, but to to say there's a battle going on. And even the one that I thought was my enemy on my block, God is doing something in him too. There's a battle going on, brothers and sisters. Have you picked up your weapons? Are you wearing your uniform? Paul says to us, put on the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. Put on your breastplate. Put on your helmet. Gird yourself up. Put on the shoes of peace. Grab your sword, which is the word of God. And, and, and I'm, I'm paraphrased, but Paul says, and pray every prayer you can think in Jesus' name to pray that aligns with his word. Pray all kinds of prayers, he says. There's a war within, but I'm so glad that God is at war for me. But I need to be mindful that God is warring for more than just me, for my neighbor. For my enemies, for other races, for other nations. Am I able to see this world the same way God does? If you would allow God to love you through the battles in your own heart, in your own mind, from your childhood, do you know 
Not only will he bring victory in your own soul, but you will begin to experience victory in your family, maybe in your community, maybe in your city, maybe in our nation. Oh, as I come to my close, let me jump from James 4 to Exodus 4. The reason I want to close here is so you can see the connection between God giving victory in the soul of a person so that he can provide victory to a whole nation of people. There was a man named Moses. Moses grew up not knowing his biological father or his biological mother. Moses, uh, he didn't even realize that his mother raised him like a nanny because she wanted better for him than than what she experienced. And they had put out a, a bogus oppressive law to kill all the baby boys that looked like Moses. So his mother sacrificed raising him as her own and he grew up in Pharaoh's house the same one that put the rule out to kill him raised him and so Moses is growing up without his biological father not knowing who his biological mother is but yet he's in an identity crisis in his own soul because the people that look like him are slaves and one day he's looking down and he sees somebody that looks like him being beaten by one that looks like the one who raised him and he can't take it anymore there's a battle going on in his own soul and so he goes down there and he kills the one beating the Hebrew man. Now he's on the run. He's a murderer. Can you imagine the battle in the soul of a murderer with an identity crisis? And so he ends up watching sheep. That's where God begins to speak to the battle in his soul. God says, Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let them go. But Moses can't do it y'all because there's a battle on the inside of him so God says take the staff in your hand and throw it on the ground it became a snake the same snake and serpent that it was his accuser God says pick it up by its head and now it's a staff to set people free don't let the serpent accuse you and shame you in your soul God has people for you to set free Then God tells Moses, put your hand under your shirt. And when he does, it comes out leprous. Because sometimes we can't be victorious until we deal with the disease in our own heart. Unforgiveness, sustained anger, self-centeredness, pride, arrogance, all up in here, up in here. But God says, put your hand in your shirt again. Don't you mess with me. And then it comes out clean because if you let God clean up your heart you can make a difference in the world then God says I want you to go speak to Pharaoh Moses said I can't do it I don't speak well God says I'm going to speak for you when God works on your heart he starts moving in your mouth you start speaking truth to people you start speaking healing to people you can say let my people go oh Lord yes 
you can make a difference but it starts in here so Moses went out and he picked up that staff and the waters divided and the people that were oppressed got free oh, Bible commentaries tell me that this is a picture of Jesus why couldn't we just stay with Moses didn't he do a good job the reason we need Jesus is because a stained vessel can't deliver a stained world a broken vessel can't set free a broken world so an unstained vessel had to come down here an unbroken pot had to come down here his name is Jesus Rosa Sharon Alpha and Omega wheel in the middle of the wheel Prince of Peace oh Lord Jesus Jesus came down here set things right made my soul right we Jesus Jesus Hey Can I get a witness Jesus He'll fight your battle He'll fight your battle But you can't quit I'm on the battlefield For my Lord I promised him That I would serve him Till I die I'm on the battlefield for my Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.